on tonight's show. We have photographer and designer, Sederic Raphael. And now for your host, Cool Carl. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Kicking It With Cool Carl. Another episode, another week. Episode 67. Uh, let me recap last week. Episode 66, I had Hollywood Al on. He was on the reality show, put a ring on it. Uh, he owns a barbershop. He has his beard oil. He launched that. So, man, we just dove into a lot of stuff. We even got into our spirituality. We're talking man to man, uh, just just uh, giving God his praise. It was a great interview. Great interview. So, you guys, make sure you go back to the channel. Check that out. It's streaming right now. If this is your first time tuning in to the Kick It With Cool Car Show, I do do encourage you to subscribe so I can continue bringing you the value that my great guests bring to you each and every week. Man, we do this for you guys. We do this for you guys that we can't do without you. So I appreciate you tuning in. I uh, just want to welcome my guest tonight on the show, Sederic Raphael. He is a photographer. He is, he is a designer. Uh, he's into ministry. He does everything. So we're going to dive into his brain, dive into his world, and just let him provide you with some of the value that he can, only he can provide you with. Uh, man, very accomplished gentleman. Been doing this thing for 25 years in the entrepreneurial space. So he has a lot of knowledge, a lot of jewels that he can drop for you guys. So without further ado, I'm going to bring him on in. Episode 67 is ready to roll, y'all. Let's go. Welcome to the show, Sederic Raphael. How you doing tonight, brother? Doing real good, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, I thank you for joining me. Um, I know you had a day full of uh, filled with work. So, um, yeah, it's a pleasure to have your presence here tonight. No problem. This is probably the best part of my day so far. <laughs> hey, man, I, I try to be that. I try to be a little glimmer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A little beacon. Um, so, Raphael, S. Raphael, do you prefer Sederic? Do you prefer S. Raphael? Man, to be honest with you, you know, uh, my name, when you just look at it, can um, can look a little different. I get Cedric. I get Cedric. <laughs> I get everything but what my mama actually called me. So <laughs> I, I'll go by my last name, which is a little bit better here in Texas. That's pretty easy. Okay. It's Raphael. So I answer to pretty much anything, bro. Okay, cool, cool. Well, I, I'm going to call you... I'll call you Cedric since I got it right the first time, right? Yes, sir. You got it right. <laughs> That's what's up. Well, listen, you do everything. And like I said, I was telling you before the show, this show is all about value. I know you got it. 
So I want to get some of that out of you. You're doing photography. You're photography, just, uh, graphic oh. design, branding, uh, web development. Um, you know, that skill set in the in the graphic space, you, you kind of have to be diverse nowadays. And so uh, back in the day, you could get away with one kind of little niche. Not anymore. You got to be multi-talented in this space now. Wow. Do you even do animation? No, I don't do animation. I'll hire out for that. That was a little <laughs> too much in my wheelhouse. And I, I don't do that okay. Well, give us a little background. Like, how long have you been in the business? How long have you been doing? I know you said you've been an entrepreneur for 25 years, but I know it doesn't start there. Man, um, during high school, I studied architecture, actually. So I went to a sort of a different high school in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, for everybody out there from the boot. Yeah. Um, and I was able to study architecture from ninth grade at, to a senior. And then I went to Louisiana Tech and studied architecture there. Okay. Now, here's the problem, though. Uh, when it got to that college level, um, I think I, I shifted gears because, quite honestly, the architecture classes weren't growing that well, but the art classes were doing great. Okay. And so I started, you know, growing my love for more graphic design. And uh, eventually I left tech. And then I came out to Dallas and finished out at the Art Institute in East Texas and got my degree in communications, visual communication. Okay. And I think I graduated in 90. I know that sound old. I know that sound. I know you probably a young cat, you know, but I know that sound kind of old. But uh, yeah, I graduated in 90, um, worked as a designer for JCPenney. JCPenney was headquartered out of Dallas. Oh, and okay. so my first gig was over there. Uh, I was making more money I ever made in my life. And, um, you know, but I was the, the grunt designer. So I got all the projects nobody else wanted. So, so were, you, were you I doing my way up? Were you doing like designing for like advertising and? Uh-huh. Okay. You do the catalog, you do the circular. Uh, I even had a stint where I was doing some design uh, for clothing as well. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And then um, I kept, you know, you know, get advanced, get a different job, get a, you know, came on, eventually came an art director for another corporation. And most of them were in-house in what you kind of do from an artist standpoint, if you feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over, you kind of get bored. Yeah. So early on in my career, I started um, freelancing, but not under my name. I was freelancing under the design factory. Mm, okay. It was just me, but I didn't want to give the world the perception it was just me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. And so I uh, started doing that. Um, eventually, I was doing so much business. You know, I, I would do my nine to five and then I would do my five to nine and would just grind, grind, grind. Eventually I was making more money, more money on the outside of my, on my personal um, grind than I was for, for the corporate grind. Wow. And then here in 96, I, I took the leap and started my, my company officially working for myself. So and your in your company, it's an umbrella of all of that. It, that's correct. So. You got to think about it in these terms. Everything needs to be marketed. I don't care if you are a product, you are a service or a person. Mm -hmm. You got to advertise, you know, and when you advertise, you need a logo. Once you need a logo, if you have a package, I need to design a package. You need to know the instruction kit on the inside, the instruction papers. Mm -hmm. uh, once you got that kit, you need to advertise it somewhere. And so that's a website. 
And then after that, you might have to go sell it to into the store. So there's sales sheets, there's product. There's so many other different things that you um, that you need to keep your product going out there. You know, people think it's a, it, um, I don't know if they know the science behind of getting a product to market, but you got to have all of that stuff in place. Yeah, I don't think too many people know. No, no doubt. No I, I don't doubt. think they know all that science. I mean, you, you said a few, a few things to me that I had never even heard of. So, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. When you think about it, you put it in those three verticals. You got a product, you got a service, or you got you. Yeah. You, you know, the equity of your mind or the person, a book or uh, a personality, you know, a show like yours. Right. But how do we touch uh, a market? And one of the interesting things that people have come in, man, and they, they you know, you start drilling down and say, Who, who's your target audience? And they'll say everybody. All right. No, yeah. everybody don't want your product. You know, that's not necessarily true. Yeah. And so you have niches in there. And, you know, that might be, you know, sharp people that love cowgirls or something. <laughs> I, you know, you never know. Uh, <laughs> right. And so I need to advertise and put branding uh, together for them. Like um, one of my clients, um, Sally Beauty, mm-hmm. they sell most cases female hair oriented product and so when they come to me to design a relaxer kit or even a weave line i really got to embody what that demographic is they'll give me a stat sheet it might be a 19 to 26 year old latina female so what does she how does she buy what colors pop out what font treatment Mm -hmm. uh if you notice even when you talk about fonts you have a a feminine type fonts with a lot of swirls or you might have more masculine bold and and thick or you might have a unisex font yeah and so any little different thing that you add on to it really kind of pushes you in a direction uh, of a demographic and so you got to be very conscientious of what that looks like you really it is it, it goes down to building the dna of a brand across the board from the very font you use to the colors you know how you use it it's 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 everything. Let me ask you something. This might be a little bit off subject, but you said the 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 fonts with all the swirls; those are more feminine, right? Mm-hmm. Why do I like those fonts? I'm because you're feminine. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, oh, I'm heterosexual <laughs> to the D. Is it because I like women? I mean, <laughs> that might be it. You know, see, the thing about it is, is that you know you'll you'll do that, but if um it's the subtlety if. If you, people are so advanced now and you look at so many graphics per day on absolutely everything, Mm -hmm. you know the difference between if it's a um, self-published book or if it's part of the big leagues, if somebody else is doing it, you know, if it is competitive, what you see in any other thing, your expertise level has been advanced. And if you go in and you look for a candle. You know, I go into um, what's my shop? Um, not Bed Bath & Beyond, but you know, you go in there and get your lotions, get your candles and stuff like that. Now, you can look at the color and you can look at the font to tell you almost what the smell is going to be like. Mm. You can look at the graphics, it's more wintery. If it's going to be sort of a that winter smell, a cookie dough or something like that. You're talking about uh, body work? Uh, what is that? Let's yeah. Uh, yeah. Bath yeah, & yeah. Body Works. Bath, yeah, Bath & Body Works. Okay. And so you can go into places like that and you can really scan 
with your eyes before you even, you have something that draws you to it, right? Mm-hmm. You ever go to a grocery store when you were hungry? Yeah. All right. You looking and you going down the frozen food aisle, right? And you hungry. And you're, I mean, you see that Mexican platter and they got the enchiladas with the cheese coming out, oozing out. You got the bean, the beans over there and the rice look like little steam coming off of it. Yeah. Right? Now, when you get home and, um, and, and pull it open to put it in the microwave, what it look like? It don't look like that. It don't look like that. <laughs> everything is built on your perception yeah right yeah you go in there and do it not only perception but what it sounds like think about this you get up saturday morning you say you know what i'm gonna clean i'm gonna clean my spot out i'm gonna get my house clean Mm -hmm. and you go in the bathroom and you start looking in the tub and you start looking like oh them kids and left this tub nasty (laughs) i need something to really help me scrub these this 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 dirt off over here and you go in the store and you look for something and on the shelf you look you look you scan it i need something that help me clean scrubbing bubbles right then i need something that might help me clean out the kitchen and you go over here with mr clean man it's all in the name you're literally telling them what you're gonna do with your product yeah you see what i'm saying yeah. so it's a science to all of it and you do that from the bottom up you do yeah. Are you a one-stop shop? To a certain degree. We can do all the video work. We can do it. Only thing that we're not doing now is just placing um, commercials or placing advertising. We'll use somebody else to do that. Wow. And to do your media buys. Yeah. What's the name of your company? The Design Factory. The Design Factory. Okay, you still go by that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool, cool. You kept that running. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how does the, like, where did the photography come in for you? I know it's essential and I know eventually you needed it, but when along the way did you decide, hey, I up into. I can tell you this story real quick. Uh, I had got a contract with uh, Dallas Convention and Visitors Bureau, and they hired our company to handle all, it was a three year contract to handle all of the advertising that would go out to really, you know, United States and different organizations to promote their conventions to come to Dallas. Okay. But they were segmenting the markets. They had the Latino um, ad agency. They had the African-American. They had a gay Latina, uh, not a, a gay lesbian, and general market. And so we won the contract for the African-American. And we put some programming together and some product and a couple of different, you know, dope things. And uh, one of them being this directory that took everybody around Dallas, but to the best places to eat, the best places to shop, key places for the culture. And on one of the occasions when I was putting on the um, um, the book, I had a photo shoot, hired a photographer. We were at one of these dope restaurants, had the male model, female model, and it's just that good time. The guy came in didn't set up any lights. He said, I'm just gonna do a natural light shine. I said, no problem. He did everything in about 45 minutes and uh, sent me the stuff and I cut him a check for $1,500 mm-hmm. for 45 minutes. Wow. And I was like, man, I oughta, <laughs> I oughta keep the rest of my budget in-house. I'll just buy all the equipment and shoot it myself. Now, here's the bad part. I don't know, um, what's the word, if it was, because it, it was sort of like being naive, but being arrogant, 
really, really being really more stupid than anything else. And so I bought the equipment and I said, I'll do it. Yeah. And now the first shoot that I do after that, I'm doing um, Bishop Jakes, Ron Kirk, uh, who was the mayor at the time. We eventually moved over to uh, Obama's cabinet. Okay. So we got Bishop Jakes, uh, Ron Kirk, Kirk Franklin, and there's another heavyweight. Call them into the studio. We're shooting. I'm over there getting down. My lights firing. I'm doing a good job. I'm thinking. I get all the files back after they leave, uh-huh. and I shot. My ISO was up so high. Oh. Everything grainy. So the problem was being naive and arrogant, which equals stupid. Um, you thought. <laughs> I thought I could do it. Yeah. And there's a certain, you really need to know, if anybody who's shooting, because there's a lot of photographers out there now, so-called, yeah. but if you can't shoot on manual, you ain't no photographer. But you took you took that craft for, for granted. You thought you yeah, could pick that camera okay. up and just do what yeah. you want to do with it. I didn't know what to do. And I remember I got called out to do an Erica Badu concert and uh, and um, got down there and they were like, no flashes. You can't use no flashes. Oh, wow. So, you know, again, here I go again, trying to figure out how, how to shoot in manual and making sure the flash doesn't, you know, go off because you, you, they're performing. You can't have all the flashes yeah. going out of your face because you're in the pit. Yeah. And uh, man, I got on the phone, called another photographer friend. Man, I can't, everything is so dark, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, dude, you gotta know what you're doing. I committed to on that day that I'm gonna learn that craft. And so I started studying and I started studying and I started shooting. And um, first year, man, uh, I was doing a lot of branding for Bishop Jakes then anyway. Okay. And Bishop Jakes called me to do a shoot for him uh, because I was doing. I designed Megafest, uh, Megafest International, Manpower, Woman That Out Loose, his brand. I was doing all the design work. So the photography kind of came. He just said, come over, do it. And uh, as soon as I did uh, Bishop Jakes, then Fred Hammond called. Fred Hammond called. I got a call from Eric. Um, next thing you know, within the first year, not really even knowing, calling myself a photographer, I shot you know, I got, um, man, uh, I shot, man, I ended up shooting a little bit of everybody. Uh, Jodeci, I shot, uh, which by the way, <laughs> fun fact for that I found out about you. What's up? I heard you used to sing with Jodeci. I heard you used to. No, nah, I ain't, no, nah, listen, I ain't used to sing. I was I an artist. I heard you used to rap. That's yeah, yeah, I and I used to live with Devontae. So, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what's going on now? What's going? On? I saw him in one BET performance. He had a little plant sitting over here. Did you see that one? Yeah, I saw it. So what's going on? I don't even know, brother. I haven't spoken to that man, and I don't know since I t- I've seen D. Like I still got mutual people, so I you know it, it's high. You know, hey, tell him I said what's up type of thing. But now nah, I haven't really spoken to him. Um, I don't know, man. I, I saw D when they did the, the new album, the latest album. I saw him. I, I went to the show. And they I, have a new album out? Yeah. You know, um, what was it called? Um, the, oh, God. 
don't 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 worry about it. I'm gonna go and look it up. I'm gonna no, look, it go up. look it up. Yeah, I mean it was actually pretty good, but it didn't do much anything because D didn't want to tour with him. He did uh, he did a couple shows with him, and then after that he didn't want to tour. That's how he is. He don't want to. He don't. Wanna, he does not want to tour. I think that's why they just don't do anything because he doesn't want to tour. Awesome. Well, let me ask you this, and then we'll get back to the interview. What is the biggest thing takeaway that you learned from that experience living with him? Don't wait on anybody. How so? Just don't wait on anybody. Go do it yourself if you have to. Just like okay. you do. Okay. All that's, right. That's the biggest takeaway. That's almost a don't wait on anybody. Go do it yourself. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're going to talk about that more later. I, got, I want to know the <laughs> stories. But long story short about the photography thing man i got i got called wait wait, hold on hold on hold on but let me say this though after i'm saying after i'm saying all that i got nothing but love for d and i got no bad words for d but i learned don't wait on anybody just go do it yourself gotcha gotcha yeah because i'm yeah he he put me in a position to where i had experiences that i would have never ever had in life no doubt and so i'm Forever grateful so for that. And, and to be honest with you, that's really part of the evolution that you needed to have. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yep. I remember my dad. Um, I had uh, invested a ton of money in doing this event, and I was so again naive. I just knew I was gonna um, sell everything that we designed. Uh, I had posters. I had T-shirts. I went to the super event. And man, it turned out horrible. And um, I remember calling my mom and my mom asked how everything was going. And I was like, it's horrible because even catching the ride down there, we packed up everything in a U-Haul. And um, when they when we got to New Orleans, they dropped the, the, the U-Haul because um, it was the one with the hitch and, you know, they dropped it in the parking lot over there, and we would just go back and get all our stuff, what we needed, and we were staying with a friend down there. And uh, my mom called, and she said, how are things going? I said, bad. We're not selling, and I don't even know how we're going to get this U-Haul back to Dallas. And my mom said this. Um, she said, don't worry, baby. Um, I'm going to get your dad's truck, and me and, your, me and your sister come down there and get y'all. At that moment, I heard the other phone pick up, mm-hmm. and it was my dad on the other line, and he said, Mary Lee, you ain't going nowhere in my truck. He figured out how to get down there. He can figure out how to get his ass back. Click. And I'm on the other line like, what? what? And then she was like, uh, <laughs> baby, don't worry. I'm going to talk to your dad, and uh, uh, we're going to be down there. And then at that moment, there was a glory tear that rolled down my chin, my cheek, and I felt miserable. I felt horrible. And here, 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 here's the cool story from that. My mom did not come. My dad didn't allow her. And we didn't know what we were going to do, me and my homeboy who did all the stuff. We had a homegirl down there who had a Mitsubishi hatchback. Three, you know, two-door hatchback. Mm-hmm. We got her to come pick us up from the Superdome. We got in the hatchback with the lid up, jumped in, grabbed the U-Haul, 
tied a chain around his arm, tied a chain around my arm, and we both held it in the back, like, you know, holding on into the car. And she went from downtown New Orleans into the closest U-Haul place that we get. I took the one little credit card I had some room on, exchanged that hitch, and then got a truck, threw it all in there, gassed up with the little money I had left, and then we headed home. More to the story. Don't wait on nobody. Don't wait on nobody. And I'm, I'm going to add some context to what I'm talking about. So, you know, being in a camp, right, and being with somebody like that, you, you're you around a lot of people. There's a lot of people there for the opportunity. So it can get a little crowded. Mm-hmm. Don't wait on nobody, you know. Yeah, you can wait around and your time and your turn may come, but it may never come. Don't wait on nobody. And and here's the thing. Here's the here's the greatest thing of all. That right there, it taught me that, right? But mm-hmm. same time as as people that is close to me know, I don't I no longer do music in that regards because God took me away from that. Mm-hmm. what he wanted from me no more and I was fighting him for so long even during those times even during those times I knew in, in the back of my mind it wasn't as strong then but even even then I knew this isn't for me anymore this is not for me this is not what God wants me to be doing but I was still there you know it was an opportunity who wouldn't take that opportunity if you're already in that realm you know and that's what you've been doing your whole entire life been doing that since I was 14 years old so I took that opportunity, but deep down in my heart and in the back of my mind, God's been pulling at me, tugging at me. Just like, listen, this is not for you. So that experience, it basically catapulted me into the direction that I needed to be going anyway. Right. And I took it. I was wise enough to take that and say, hey, you know what? I can't wait on anybody. And I definitely can't wait on this because this is not for me anyway. But even still, after that, I still did it because as a man, it's like, I can't quit. I'm not a quitter. But Mm -hmm. at the time, you just have to be wise enough to know. Yeah, you got to get that equilibrium with your passion and reality in some cases. And when you love something so much, man, one of the, uh, you know, part of love, the DNA of love, it produces hope. And so, you know, you just keep on hoping and hoping because you love it so much. And I, you know, brother, listen, been there, done that. And at the end of the day, what you learned from there that you couldn't have paid for that lesson. And we on episode 67. 67, man. (laughs) Congratulations, because, you know, uh, it's step by step. Uh, movement of faith one after another, you know, mountain to valley, mountain to valley, man. And congratulations, man. Thank you. That's what it means. You know, year 25 for me, man. Two recessions. Um, at our height, we probably, I probably employed, you know, six people. Um, and it went up, went down. And, you know, it's a different feeling, man, when you are responsible for people's livelihoods and you know their families. Mm-hmm. You know, and through the course of those 25 years, man, I never missed payroll once. That's never. a blessing, man. That's and then for God and just your your hard work and effort and everything you put into it and how you value the people that that you're responsible for. At the no end, doubt. hey, 
Man, entrepreneurial life is tough, man, because even though I ain't missed no payroll, there's been many occasions I ain't had nothing to take home. Exactly. You, so, but let's say, hey, you did God's service, though. That's all you did. You put you put them before yourself. Right. But you knew right. you were going to be taken care of, though, at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. You, you really got to have a uh, you got to have a long distance runners mentality. You know, if you're a sprinter, you're going to get out here and you want to hit that tape. Entrepreneurship is not it. You got to be in it for the long haul. Yeah. I hear a lot of people say, man, it's in that journey. That's that's the goodness. Because, yeah. you know, people, they want to do the entrepreneurial thing and they think it's going to be a quick flip and they're going to be living all lavish and this and that. Third. It's like, listen, you, you're you looking for that pot of gold at the end. No, it's in the mm-hmm. journey. In the journey. It's an everyday grind. Man, I've met so many dope people, uh, so many dope experiences, gone around the world. Uh and doing what I love to do. And that's the difference between having a job and having a career. You know, sometimes we'll do this and don't even get paid. Don't want even, but we still perform at a, at a, at a level of excellence that if I was getting a million dollars or if I was getting $1, I'm still going to put out the dope product because yes. this is what I am. This is what I do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That integrity, man. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Hey, you, you've mentioned something to me about a book. Mm-hmm. dive into that so that's something that's something different for you right this is totally different and where does that where is that deriving from where is that coming from what experience led you? oh my god man i don't even want to explain it so um uh here's the short story um i got married young uh my wife was probably 19 when we got married and then i was maybe like 22 23 uh, immediately started having kids. She finished up school. I started, you know, working, supporting the family and doing the, the hustle and the grind. And we stayed together uh, for about, really, uh, we were together 20 years, married about 17. Okay. And um, and so here I am, uh, lost my father one year. Uh, I don't know what I was going through, man. The, the marriage was not what I desired it to be. And we got to a point where we just, you know, really on me, um, um, I didn't have any more faith in the relationship, mm-hmm. faith in, you know, uh, trying to figure out where I was going to go, um, the love I wanted to experience, you know, just the fullness of it. Yeah. And do you feel I, I'm sorry to cut you off. Do you feel like it was because you guys were too so young and inexperienced and you really hadn't. Got you it? know what? I know now that I can put 100% blame, I hate to say blame, I put 100% responsibility on me for not getting what I needed to get out of that relationship. And I say that because of this. I didn't equip myself with the tools to make um, the marriage sustainable. Okay. I think I'd be the first one to tell you that love ain't enough flat out love ain't enough if love was enough we'd be with the same girl we fell in love with in high school yep but the the issue is love gets you to the door it don't keep you in the room Mm. right you need tools like um conflict management Mm -hmm. um uh a little bit of psychology Mm -hmm. uh you got to know love languages you need to know you need to have you know when things got tough and they start breaking apart. I pull my toolbox open. It ain't nothing but, you know, a stick of gum and a flathead in there. You know, so <laughs> I didn't have nothing. And right. now 
picked it up when my marriage um, ruined, literally. Um, I don't have any energy or any hope or faith in it. Um, and I'm single for the first time in my 40s. Now, all that stuff you was doing over at Devontae House, that wasn't me. You know, <laughs> none of it. I ain't get a chance to experience none of it. And so now here I am at 40. You remember that movie when the when the guy came out of jail, but he had that old pimp suit on and he was yeah. like, you know, what's a cell phone? You know, <laughs> I felt like that in the single space. Dang, you and, missed the party. Man, I missed everything. Right? <laughs> and so now I'm getting introduced to women who, you know, in, in that same space, they're confident in who they are as a person. They're confident as a professional. They're confident in their sexuality. They're confident, man. And I felt like a lamb, you know, in front of wolves in some cases because, you know, on paper, you know, I think I'm a good dude. I own my own business. I'm making money. I have three children that I'm passionate about. One thing that I, I, I pride myself on is being a, a a good dad. I'm involved on that. I'm serving in the community. I employ people. And yeah, you know. Um, and so in this space, what the book is about is my journey in finding out how to navigate relationships. Because here's the reality. Here, here was my reality. When you look up at the end or in wherever space you're at, at that particular point in my life, I had a hundred percent failure rating with relationships. One hundred. Right, because you were. With I had no so long. I, it right. Every person I had dated up until then. Now imagine this. There is a fifty percent divorce rate in the United States. Over fifty percent, right? Uh, over fifty percent for first-time marriages. If there's ten people in the room, we ask all ten to stand up, and I say I need five of y'all to lead the room. That's the statistic for first-time marriages. Now, here's the problem: if that's fifty percent for y'all with the woman that you finally said, "If I get another tomorrow, I want to give it to you." But what about all the other ones that came before her that you was kind of feeling the same way, but you didn't pull the trigger on? Right. Right? 50% divorce rate for first-time marriages, you got 100% with all the other ones that you done professed your love to and, and ran through. Yep. So at this particular point, I decided to start studying. Uh, God started tugging on me and started pulling me into um, direction. Um, um, I think around 43, uh, I literally got what y'all hear people say, uh, got called into ministry, uh, literally. And um, along that journey, I uh, learned one pivotal thing that transformed everything. And that was the space that I loved Upside Down, which is the name of the book. Okay. Upside down love. And the upside down is a reflection of basically this. And I try to put this in a nutshell, and I know you're going to get it. I teach in the principle that we are three people in one. We're triune like God, right? You are flesh, right? Mm -hmm. You are your soul, everything that makes Sideric Sideric. Uh, my personality, my intellect, my emotions, my ambitions, everything that makes Sideric Sideric. 
And then, so that's your soul. And then it's your spirit, what God foreknew before you even stitched into your mother. Mm. Now, the issue becomes that we all have, each part of me has a personality of its own. And then when we're together, we have a civil war. It's like not being bipolar, it's being tripolar. Mm-hmm. The flesh won't. Remember when you decided you were going to go on a diet because you, you need to get fit and yeah. look good for the summer? Time yep. you said you're going to go on a diet, your flesh said, Negro, get in the car, let's go get some chicken. <laughs> and while you're on there, let's go get some donuts too. I mean, they know we got to do right. Uh, get up and go get my chicken. Yeah. So, your, your, okay, I got a better example. When the last time you was feeling a little stressed, you decided to read the Bible, right? Two minutes into reading the Bible, what you do? Come on, stop acting like you do. Two minutes reading the Bible, you sleep. Yeah. Because your flesh is like, Negro, if I let you get too much spiritual uh, intellect, you're going to become stronger than me. Go to sleep. <laughs> and so next thing you know you see man the best sleep some of the best sleep i ever got in my life was at church that's that's, that, that's what your I'm spirit gets fed but your but your body your flesh be like no nah, go to sleep you don't yeah. need none of that so and all that being said you can meditate and and you pass out wake up two hours out because you're trying to you you literally trying to shift gears out of your flesh out of your emotions out of your ego out of your uh, everything else stressing in your mind and then get into a spiritual space. Yeah. The word is clear. If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. That's what God says. But what do he mean? He mean get out of your flesh, get out of your head, your emotions, your, your, your issues and get into a spiritual space in your highest frequency. And when you up here, I'll meet you because I'm, I'm, I'm broadcasting all the time. You just so low yeah. in your, your space that you can't hear me. So all that being said, the book is rooted in this knowledge that I was loving upside down. I was loving from a very flesh driven space. Cause you know, the first thing we do yeah. is try to lead with the penis yeah. when we see somebody. Yep. Then we get a soul connect and then we, you know, then we kind of get in here. But have you ever connected to your girl in a spiritual space? Mm. Right? Mm. Because low key, guess what you've been called by God? A priest in your own home. And you supposed to, if you, there's love, that the, the word says God is love. All right. If he's the one source for love, then I don't manufacture it. The only thing I do is share it. Right. So where do I go get it? If I love her, then why, what do I? How am I supposed to love her unless I go to the throne to God and say, you know what? You know that fine daughter you got over there, the one that little calmer color one that real. I love her. He said, how much? I love her this much. He said, well, here, take that. Now she hard headed. I'm gonna give you a little extra. So <laughs> you know, and then you go back, tote that over there, and you love her. What we end up doing somewhere along the line. We get emotional. We get insecure. Mm-hmm. When we get insecure, we start manipulating. When she gets bothered by something, then she starts telling you, no, nah, you can't get none. And, you know, then you, you know, it. and what the Bible does at the end of the day, my lesson, my transformational me- uh, moment came when I got my word that I've been loving completely wrong. 
I love from a very um, humanistic, flesh-driven space, and it wasn't spiritual. And uh, when I got called into it, and the Holy Spirit really would just lead me, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, love is patient, love is kind. Uh, you got love, don't keep records wrong. It doesn't envy, it doesn't dishonor. Uh, there's 16 characters. And all of them, when you look at it, it's all decision-based. Every last one of them, every description of love is decision-based. It's a discipline. And so that transformative space was that get out of this other stuff. You can like some, you you can dislike somebody, but still love them. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, uh, your lady, y'all have been fighting all week. Y'all been disagreeing with one another. She ain't gave you none in a couple of days. <laughs> and you real hot, right? She go down the road, get on the highway, blow a tire. She call you back, babe. Um, I just blew a tire. I'm on the side of the highway. That's the first thing you do. Don't worry about it, babe. I'll be there in a second. You get in your car. You drive down there. You say, hey, tell you what. You jump in my car. I'll stay here. I'll call AAA, get the tire chain, and you go about your business, and I'll take care of it from here. That's love. That's a decision. That's in spite of how she left you feeling mm. that you might not like her in that moment, but you will not abandon your covering over her. You see what I'm saying? Hello. And we get so emotional sometimes, especially men. And next thing you know, we leave. I'm leaving you and the kids. What? Right. How, how you going to leave somebody? God ain't never left your crusty tail. Right. You know, he said, I always uh, never leave you or forsake you. That's love. And so, when I figured that out, man, I got this, um, I started on a journey of writing a book, uh, explaining that triune nature, explaining what love is, explaining, you know, explaining, trying to do my best to explain how men love and, you know, so I got chapters in the book, like, you know, ladies, uh, yo, the JJ don't have that much equity. <laughs> talk about i got a chapter in there called the frankenstein wife this just explains how men don't really here's the thing i'll tell you genesis god gave eve uh when he gave penalty for her falling to sin he said you're gonna have pain through childbirth you'll have a desire for your husband well guess what there's nothing in the bible that says men's gonna have a desire for a wife not one verse it says when we find one, we find a good thing, but we ain't running down the street trying to find a wife. Right. right? They will have a desire for her husband. Problem is, you don't know which one that Negro is. <laughs> and at the end of the day, when you unpack what husband is, husband is God personified. So God personified is the man that's down here in the flesh that is acting as though he is God covering you, providing for you, nurturing you, cultivating you, protecting you. And that's what man is. That's what a husband is. The last thing he says, and he will rule over you. Now, a lot of women going to be sideways and be like, how this nigga going to rule over me? I got more degrees than him. I made more money. And it's not that. It is the premise that he will cover your triune nature that your flesh that you want 
Now, now see, here's a, here's a side story. Hush, my dog is over here. The side story. Now, check this out. You tell me if this was you or me, you know. Your flesh, your soul, your spirit. Female's flesh, in most cases. Okay. Let's get this. Let's let's get this right. Because I'll get people. I'll stop. I'll start here. But here's what. Here's what. Here's what a lot of ladies say. You know, I ain't desiring no husband. And I'm going to challenge them on that. What you not desiring is a man who falsely represents a husband. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go through the problems. You don't want to go to issues. But if you had a man that responded like God, that loved on you and provided you and didn't give you that BS, you'll take him in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. But what most men don't do is act as though they are God. Now, here the issue. Now, when you in your flesh, you gonna, women are probably want to get that dude that want to, yeah, I'm going to call old Tyrone so he can go bl- blow his back out, right? Mm-hmm. And then her soul, which is, again, uh, her, her mind, her emotions, um, her stability. She wants somebody who's really reliable. So yeah. she she want a good dude. He a good father figure. He's a uh, he pay his taxes. He go to church. You know he's a good solid dude. He might not be as exciting as old Tyrone over there, but he's a good solid dude. He does stuff in the community. And when I, I'm representing him and I take on his name, then you know I feel good about who I am. And then I got a solid partner with me. Yeah. Now so now here you got your flesh who want Tyrone. You got. Your your soul who wants somebody st- stable, yo you know so old Dudley do right brother you know we got our little <laughs> Dudley do right in us, and then you got your spirit woman who's thriving to grow spiritually, and she look around like who I get y'all all got somebody, and so she's like I showed on Tyrone because he knows she showed on love the Lord he showed ain't doing nothing, now old Dudley do right is a good brother, but, but I think I know more words than he do. <laughs> And so spirit woman over here is like, well, who I get? Well, traditionally, especially in the black culture, it's pastor. So you'll go sit under a good God-fearing man who knows how to exegete a word and train and, and give you what you need. Now, here the issue. When God says, I'm going to give you a husband who will rule over you, what he's saying is, baby, remember them times you used to abandon me? And you go sneak out and don't go do some things that you didn't want Jesus to see because you're going to get jammed up in that back closet and you know you're going to be doing some things that you don't have to be on the altar for on Sunday. He said, guess what? I love you so much. I don't want you to leave my covering. So I'm going to give you a representative, a man that will uh, fulfill every uh, desire of your flesh. And I'm going to make it where the marriage bed is undefiled. So all that other stuff that Tyrone was doing that you're a little embarrassed to do with your dude, you can do it here. And then I'm gonna meet you in the middle with your soul over here desiring this. I'm gonna give you a good man that's gonna raise your kids right and help you do all that, be a partner, encourage you and keep you stable. And then I'm gonna call this man to a higher standard because I'm gonna make sure he a priest in his own home so he know how to lead you and feed your spirit woman too. And so he has a mandate on his life to go higher. So when you have issues in your life that need spiritual guidance, you go to your husband and then if he need to go higher, he'll go to pastor. Yeah. 
Prior to that, you serving three men. I will give you a husband and he will rule over you. That's the principle on it. And, you know, a lot of people might not agree with it, but that's what it is. Kind of makes sense to me, too. So, you know, so I'm going on a book of discovery on that and talk about how men, on the other hand, um, want a Frankenstein wife, you know, men, because we don't like accountability in most cases, we'll go get a woman who can do our taxes. Then we got another one over here that we'll take to the corporate party on Christmas. Mm-hmm. This one over here, we go to church with this one over here. We bang it out. And this is another one. We just might be, you know, you know, the yeah. all around girl. And so we take parts and pieces, the best parts and pieces of different women and yeah. make one wife. Yeah. So when ladies know that, men know that, and how tendencies, the hope and prayer is, is that you can make a self-examination and say, man, you know what? I am doing that. You know, you know, I, I owe it. And, you know, men got to call on their life because we're going to start there first. I got to do better. I got to get in here and study. The, the, the cases with most cats, man, they, not, they, they don't put themselves in a position to 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 lead their family in that space i'm just saying if ladies if you got to go to your man and say hey babe we going to church today or not that's probably not the cat that you want yeah so you know but that's the book are you going to put that are you going to like um make that available at churches because you know most churches have bookstores now I'm working on getting this all out. We're on the finishing stages of it. And before the summer comes in, um, hopefully this book, I ain't going to say hopefully, we're going to speak things though they're not as though they were. Oh, yeah. yeah, At every bookstore that you can possibly get at every major bookstore and online. Okay. Let's double back real quick. I have Mm -hmm. a question for you when you were talking about, you know, working with clients like uh, Bishop Jakes and Kirk and all them. When you have a client that's an established brand, you know, mm-hmm. they're the brand, and then you have a client who they're a brand, but they don't know what their brand is, and you're working with them. What are the obstacles when dealing with someone who doesn't know what their brand is, or what's the differences in working with the two? Like when you're working with somebody who has a brand, and you have to basically, I don't know if you're reinventing the brand or you're just producing more content for the brand and then you got a person who doesn't really know what they need and you're trying to help them well hopefully anybody coming into our organization will know they will be willing if you're sort of uh starting off and you're on level one we'll help create the dna of the brand and what they're going to do they're going to take our expert advice okay and but the biggest part of it being willing um you know, so if you're willing, we you know, we can work with you and get you where you want. And like anything, like any person or any business, it evolves. And so we'll put it on its legs, grow it, evolve it. And it's a constant thing that we do. Uh, established brands like you mentioned for Bishop Jakes. Well, if you notice with Bishop Jakes, if it's doing something religious based or a nonprofit, it's Bishop T.D. Jakes. If it's for profit, it is Bishop Jakes. And so there's a defining difference and there's uh, uh, an overlap of brand because we take an equity from both sides, but there's a clear distinction between the two. And so we'll do things like that. If it's uh, everything I've done soft and beautiful for years and um, there's a brand standards 
I know what colors we're going to use. I know what fonts we're going to use. I know sort of the the same look because you can look at some some collateral from year to year. You already know what it is, who it is, right? Because they put that imprint on your brain, and you know it. That's what great branding does. You'll know it by if we reduce it to its icon, Nike swoosh, right? Golden arches. Uh, you name it. You can go through there and really drill down to. You know, knowing it without him even having to say it. But guess why? They put millions and millions and millions of dollars to imprint your mind. Yeah, it's repetition. It's repetition. Some people get in business and they just want to get there, but they don't ever keep marketing. That's one of the biggest issues with small business is that you got to market, 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 market. It never stops. Literally, I don't care if you walking around. You see this T-shirt. Mm-hmm. That's my ministry. That's the harvest. That's the logo for the harvest. Okay. You think I'm about to wear some other man's name on the back of my man? I love Michael Jordan. I love LeBron. <laughs> back. I know who will. My brand. Right. And so I got my own line. I do my own t-shirts. So when you and so when somebody great. see me walking out, they see my brand. Hey man, that's tight. Oh, that's cool. That's who's that? That's me. Yeah. So when you so, when you're working with the bigger brands, would you say it's a it's an easier job or does it have no doubt one percent? Yeah. Okay. If the bigger brands here's one of the reasons easiest reason if the bigger brands come to me, uh, I don't get nearly any pushback, nearly none. Okay. They trust the process and they do it. I'll get some smaller clients who. Paying a fraction of the cost, it gives me more problems. <laughs> Isn't that always how it is? Right, and they 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 swear they know it. I'm like, okay. And um, I guess after the, um, you know, if you work with me the first time, you'll know. I'll tell you what I don't do know, and I do, you know. So I'm always listening to the clients. It's not like I ever get offended because it's always an option. And if I have some clients that it's hard to work with, I can I really, after doing this so many years, I can tell out the gate. And so, yeah, their, their quote might be a bit higher than everybody else's. You can read the energy. Um, people walk in your office. And that's had this happen plenty of times before. They got the uh, Louis Vuitton bag. They got the red bottom shoe. Yeah, yeah. That's immaculate. Yeah. And when I tell them that your logo starts at the low end at five, can max out at 15 for your logo. And they were like, oh, man. Uh, uh. And if I hear that and I'm looking at you, you mean to tell me that you're going to wear them shoes that you bought for 2K? Yeah. At first for 3K. That it, it doesn't speak. It speaks to everything else about them but you don't want to pay five hundred dollars for your brand now let's think about this how long do you want to be in business uh five years or ten years or whatever forever okay let's just say ten years and on the front end i got a five hundred dollar logo let's amortize that off over, over ten years on your 500 because the brand i'm gonna create you will have sustainability will have a life now, by the time we go over 10 years with your logo and then you tell me that you didn't pay $2 a month for it, <laughs> I'm 
I don't even want to do business with you anyway because it's an indication that you know how you gonna buy a luxury car and you don't want to pay for maintenance. Right. You, make, you know you yep. don't have to pay the cost. The tires is five hundred dollars, player. Yeah. So, exactly. Oil change a couple hundred dollars. So if so, okay. So as far as like the photography goes, so if somebody comes to you and they just want photography. Mm-hmm. What's the process for that? Do you do you advertise as just photography, or is it a package deal that they have to get? Uh, at this point of my career, I don't do pretty much any advertising. Okay, I get a ton of repeat customers or word of mouth, um, and you know, so if they call, they already kind of know. They already know. They look at some of the stuff, but. Uh, I really kind of drill down to see what you're using it for because, you know, there's a corporate use. Mm-hmm. There is a use, a, you know, I love doing portraits because it really tells a story or gives me insight. I had a uh, young lady, a mother of three boys. I think she was in her 40s going through her third round of um, uh, chemo. I lost all her hair. And you can really tell that she really wanted to be in a space not only to have to feel better and feel beautiful, mm-hmm. even though she's lost all her hair, uh, but then that glimmer of hope and having a dope shot just in case. Yeah. Maybe a turn of events. And so when it's places like that, you know, I really kind of drill down and figure out what they want the picture for. If you're coming in and say, hey, I, want, I just need a new head shop to go on to LinkedIn. Okay, boom, you know, no problem to sit you up in here. But if it's a storytelling or a moment in their lives, I got a ton of people say it's my 50th birthday, it's my 40th birthday. Uh, or I came out of an abusive relationship and they really first made me feel unsexy. And we tell a story. We we do it, we take our time and we do something dope. You know, I was looking I was looking through your portfolio on your on your website and correct me if I'm wrong and I and I have a question it grows into a question. I see that there's some continuity in your work. I, I feel like there's something signature there that I'm seeing. I can't put my finger on it because I don't know photography like that, but there's something about your shot that signature. And if, and if I've seen your pictures enough, then I could say, you know what? That kind of looks like S. I, 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 like I, get, I get that. So uh, I think, I think for me now, so here's the standard. What's your mom's name? Shirley. Okay, here's Miss Shirley. Miss Shirley is G'd up. She going to church. She got the hat. She got the shoe, the dress. She's immaculate, the shoes. And she said, "Baby, go take my picture." And then you get up, you get ready to take a picture. And she said, "No, no, go back, go back. I want to see the whole outfit." Mm-hmm. Boom. I don't care about your whole outfit. What I do care about is the expression on your face, the look in your eye, the moment when that camera goes off and it catches a moment that might not be intended for anybody to catch, but it's the humanity in it. It's the um, the that love. Is. And so the portrait captures that. It, it's amazing how that one steal, they say pictures worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. It really is. And so I do more, uh, I think I do stuff that captures a moment or captures a piece of your soul in a time. Where yeah. this might I'm sorry to cut you off. I have to say this though. That's what it is. It's it's unscripted beauty in your, in your photos. It's not like a, 
you see that it's not like you can tell that you didn't say, okay, do this. You know, give me give me a type of look. You're catching them off guard, but it's still beautiful. Yeah, I get a lot of people who are not necessarily models, right? Yeah. And you'll see photographers that do all the young girls who are popping from top to bottom. Um, I don't get that. I get a lot of the uh, late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And again, they want to feel a type of way and a picture captures that they want to be celebrated to a large extent. And so when we put it on Instagram or, or Facebook, that people see them in a moment. And I really, um, I really thrive in that space because, you know, some of them come in so rigid because, you know, in front of that camera can be intimidating when you got the big lens out there and the studio lights <laughs> on and it's an unfamiliar space. And so we might burn, you know, it's only, it's digital, so it's not like we burn in film, but we'll do that and it's get the comfort, being relaxed. And then sometimes it's me talking a bunch and then cap capturing something while they really, really weren't ready for it. And, um, you know, it's those moments that seem to be good, that caught in laughter. And, yeah. And like so, you know, that's the part I really like. That's it. That's it. I'm telling you, that's it. Yes. Right. I, I knew see. it. I knew, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I'm like, there's something different. There's something different, but it's some continuity in all these photos. And that's it. Okay. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Oh, you have something? No, no, no. I'm out, bro. You know. I want that, to ask that, you. That's a part I like. I think photography is probably maybe like 25% of my business. Okay. And so, again, I do it. I do it almost like uh, I approach it almost like a hobby. Um because it, it, it gives me a lot too, right? So I don't really look at it to finance. So I'm not, you know, a machine that's just rolling people in and out and we just, you know, getting a picture, taking it and, you know, you had older meals or something. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's really kind of therapy for me. That's cool. Now, going back to when you said that you had a rocky start with photography because you took it for granted, the craft for granted. A novice coming in. Just got a brand new camera, loves art, loves photography, but really doesn't have all the skill set yet. Is there any tip that you can give them to where they can make their work look a little bit more polished than say their skill set is? Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, composition. Definitely composition. Um, be be willing to be artistic and do different stuff. Study people, you know, look at, look at things that you want to see, you know, everything don't have to be close up. It could be, you know, more landscapey or, you know, add in shapes, look for lines. Um, uh, there's a, there's a, you know what, that's really dope. I would tell people to study architectural photography too, mm. because those artists have a different vantage point. They look at things a totally different way. And there's a lot of beauty in it, but I would look at different different uh, facets of photography, from uh, doing all kind of the super high end modely stuff to you know just nature, architecture, and study it and look at some of the stuff that you gravitate toward. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's that's good stuff, right? There. Yeah, man. But study, study that. and then you got to have your post production game super tight. 
Yeah. Post production oh. game got to be on point. Post is everything. Post is everything. You can make something that looks like I've seen stuff that I've done and and you know and it goes to post and it comes back and it's like mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. your what's your software of choice? Oh man, uh I'm you know, I I came up old school, so it's all with the Adobe suite. Okay. In my line of work, you're gonna work with Adobe InDesign to lay out your design. Uh, I have a annual report to have ready for tomorrow. So that'll be done in InDesign. If I'm doing any graphics, uh, um, that's Adobe Illustrator. Uh, any photography, um, going through f- uh, Photoshop. Uh, then you have some extra add-ons within all of those applications. But th- those are the main three um, that I'm, I'm in in most cases. Okay. What's your brand of choice for cameras? Nikon. Nikon. Why? Because I hear a lot of people like they like they like Canon, so I, I want to know why. It has a signature color, uh, and Nikon does too. But I don't know, man. I just uh, I gravitated toward the Nikon feel and look. Um, I can always tell a Canon shooter, and. Um, I don't know. I think maybe it's uh, a bad thing. Though. I, I hate able- to say it's a diversity to uh, uh, big brands, but you know, because Nikon is a big brand too. But I just, I kind of went with, you know, I don't drive the same. I don't drive cars. Most brothers drive, and uh, okay, I don't pick the cameras. Most, you know, <laughs> okay. So you know, I like to do it be a little bit different. Now, okay, here's another quick question for somebody that's trying to get their feet wet are there like any standard settings is there like a floor like a go-to setting with your camera that you start from and then you just kind of go where you need to go if again you get them lights in there and you don't know how to meter and you on automatic you are not a photographer oh, okay you gotta learn it you got you gotta learn how to shoot it on manual and if i'm outside that's a whole different thing you know, you got to get that ISO game together. You got to get your f-stop game together. You got to get your speed. You got to know how to shoot, and you know, study it, do it. I would start out with a mid-level camera. I wouldn't go professional. You know, I I have pound for pound. Uh, you know, good. I, I shoot the 850. Okay. Uh, Nikon 850. The body starts around 3K. Uh, the lens I shoot uh, 24 to 70. Uh, get it used for 1500 um man and and then you got your lens game so it's not it's not a game for people who ain't who not prepared for it yeah you know oh yeah i know it gets costly yeah my studio partner you know his body was 6k yeah you know? so is that so the so the 850 is that equivalent to what the is the canon one is it the the canon I, you know what? I'm not gonna know on the on the Canon side, but let me tell you this, man. <laughs> gonna shoot. I was doing uh, I was doing all the design work for the packaging of. Uh, this was back in the day, um, Proline, and I'm redesigning their their brand for their boxes, and we go to New York to go to do the model shoot. We hired a photographer. I wasn't shooting at that time. I was just the art director, and I have to say, just the art director, but. Um, I was the art director. They hired a uh, sort of a celebrity photographer. Mm. Let me just let me just just tell you this tidbit, man. I can't even remember what because this was a little early on. 
But anyway, long story short, the photographer for his two days of shooting was 40K. 40K? 40K for him alone. And what? he had a uh Hallenberg, they the camera was different, the back was different. They were shooting super high res. Um yeah. uh, but I'm I'm looking at the invoice. <laughs> Forty thousand dollars. Forty K. Two days of shooting. That's not the models, that's not that is the photography. Money now the photography has more competitive now, especially with a ton of people shooting. But if your reputation and you do dope work, you, you're not going to have any problem with your business. Yeah. It's, it's like this. It's like, you know, uh, realistically, if you had somebody say, come in your house and you say, hey, I want to put some wood floors down. You got three people bidding for it. And first bid comes back from a highly reputable person and uh, um, it's 30K. Uh, second company to come in equally is nice and they come in at you know 27 you come in you ain't been in the game right but you're doing some dope work you'll be come in you'll do it and you feel good about it you're gonna do it for 15 let me tell you as the homeowner what i'm gonna do mm, 15 mm, that's too low i don't think he know what he doing yep yep listen i ain't got no problem on this planet charging I don't. <laughs> I know what I'm going to produce, right? And so you got to get, you have to get to a place where you're so confident in your um, any craft. Um, one of the things that I was super insecure in because I just didn't, I wasn't comfortable in that space. When I got called into uh, ministry, it was the most insecure spot ever in life because I've been rocking with TDJs. You know, I've been, you know, going to with uh, Dr. Tony Evans. That's where my home church was. And, and then um, started going under Dr. Freddie Haynes. These are rock stars. Yeah. Right. And God, you calling me into this? Oh, man. Insecure. Until I settled into myself. That's what I was going to say. You were comparing yourself to it. I was comparing to, and God was like, I don't need another T.D. Jakes. I don't need another, you know, Dr. Haynes. I need the original Sederic. And so you to do what you do. Call me to do what I do. Now, I'll tell you this, being the most insecure person in this vein, and I get nervous every time I speak. It's just, you know, I want to honor God so much in that. I don't want to. You know, in an interesting thing, there's always somebody in the audience that knows more Bible than you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I, I never take that for granted. And but I do will tell you this, not that I wouldn't be nervous. If somebody had me teach behind Dr. Jakes, I mean with Dr. behind Bishop Jakes, I wouldn't have no problem with it. Personally. And that that's not speaking with uh any arrogance. That's just that's just speaking with a comfortability of I know who I am and I know what I'm gonna do to honor God in that word, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna do it with a spirit of excellence, and you'll get what Sederic was meant to give. Yeah. Now, in my professional game, from photography to art direction to all of that, I'm gonna do that as well. And so I'm good with me. Everybody might not like me. 
And that's okay. But it's a whole bunch of people that do. And I'll rock with them. And so, yeah, but I'm going to be prepared, though. Trust and believe I'm going to be prepared. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Brother, I thank you, man. I'm not going to hold you too much longer. We've been on here for a good little minute. I appreciate your time. No, I keep it a, I keep it at 30 minutes, but if we talking and it's good, we just going to keep on rolling. <laughs> uh, honored, honored, really honored by that. Yeah, definitely. I told you we was going to kick it, man, and that's what we did. I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person, and then we can get there, and I can hear some of these old raps you used to do. <laughs> Because I know you still flow, so... Man, listen. They out there. (laughs) All right, I'm going to go ahead and look for it. I'm going to definitely look for it. They out there. Yeah, you you dig. You dig deep enough. You can find it. Very nice. For sure, for sure. But yeah, man, I really appreciate your time. I know you had a a crazy day. Um, So I I don't take this for granted. Believe me. And you dropped some knowledge. You dropped some gems. You talked love. I hope so, man. I hope so. You know, everybody has a life and on a journey. I've learned a few things. And here's a, here's the, the dope thing about it. Everybody on this planet has something to deposit into somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't misinterpret gray hair for wisdom. There's some dope knowledge coming from young folk. Yes, and indeed. to give me something to, to chew on and it'd be solid, man. So, but don't be scared to share it. Uh, you here for a purpose. And I just encourage everybody just to share it. You know, don't miss your opportunity. Give me something. Yeah, absolutely. We all got gifts, man. And it was it was put in us, put in us to share it. So no doubt. Yeah, no who doubt. are we to deny God? That's how I tell people all the time. Who are we to deny God? Right. We right. hold on to this gift. Yeah. Better now. Yeah, man. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but listen, everybody, you make sure you check out. S. Raphael, Sederic Raphael. He goes by Sederic Raphael on Instagram and Facebook. That's S. E. You know, you see it down there. Sederic, there you go. Right down there. Right down in the lower third. Sederic Raphael. Mm-hmm. Out. Um, tell me your company name and your website. Easy for everybody because we're going through our 25th anniversary re- redo of our, our main site, the corporate site. So I got everybody going to srafael.com. Um, you can hit us up over there and, uh, any and everything from branding, logos, web development, man, we nasty with it. So yeah, just, uh, hit us up. Indeed. Indeed. Hey guys, thank you guys for tuning in tonight. If you're watching this on the replay, I appreciate the love as well. Every Tuesday, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be back here kicking it with another guest, dropping some gems. You never know who I might have, so y'all stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe just so you can come along for this journey. Check me out on Instagram as well. That's cool card. That's cool with a K, card with a K. Every week, I'm here, y'all. Episode 67 is in the bag. We're on to 68. I thank you once again, my brother. Everybody have a blessed night. Thank y'all. Appreciate y'all. It's all love, and we out of here. Appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Be blessed.